How are we doing today, Wolfpack fans? This is Pack Center, your one-stop shop for all things Nevada sports. It's been a good week here in Nevada. Not too many teams winning, but an overall, you know, decent effort that they get Nevada grit that they've been putting out. And um, not an episode on Friday. I've been sick. Tyler's been sick of me being sick, so he didn't Amen. even he didn't even want to be around me. And then um, football had their bye week, so we were like, you know what? We're going to take the Friday off. I'm going to sleep in, and we are going to catch back up on Monday. So sorry, guys, we didn't get that episode out, but we got it for you guys today. We are going to touch on some football. We're going to touch on some volleyball. We're going to do men's and women's basketball. And then what? We got some baseball to talk about? Baseball, baby. I know Tyler's excited about that. And then we have Pack Player of the Week, which we didn't forget to do, but we will explain that at the end of the episode. Stay tuned, guys. We have a very good episode coming up. And we're back, ready to rock and roll. Let's talk about some football because even though they did have a bye week, some things happened in the Mountain West that affects us directly. And that is now we are no longer able to win the Mountain West West Division, therefore not being able to go to the Mountain West Championship game and just not able to make history here in Nevada. But we did make history beating San Diego State, first ever road win over a top 25 opponent and then we can still have a very good year winning out making it to a pretty good bowl game with those eight wins we at least need to win one more in my mind to safely get to a bowl game with seven wins even though we could squeak by with a with six wins I just I don't like the um the odds of that happening but like I said officially out of the Mountain West title race either Fresno or San Diego State will take that one while we can't win the West, what does a successful end of the season look like to you? Would you want us to win out? Would do you think a successful season would be winning against UNLV, losing against Fresno State? Obviously, in my mind, end of a season successfully wouldn't be losing both games. You can't lose the Fremont Cannon two years in a row. But with these last two games, what does a successful season look like to you? Yeah, with the Mountain West West title kind of out of our reach now and nothing we can do about it. The least a team that can do for me to be a successful season, they got to beat UNLV. That's a number one key factor coming into the season. We said that for a successful season, probably beating UNLV. And then also getting to and winning a bowl game. I think that that would kind of solidify a successful season. Fresno State's going to be a tough game, but we could obviously do it seeing what we did two weekends ago now uh, against San Diego State. So it's going to be really interesting to watch, but I do see beating UNLV and then that bowl game victory, which would put us at, what, seven and six at the end of the season going into a bowl game. Uh, and that bowl game victory putting us at eight and six. Uh, to me, that's a successful season in my eyes. This is what ESPN has right now for bowl predictions. They have us in the New Mexico Bowl against Charlotte. Kind of interesting. I have to say that obviously we're going to get a better bowl if we win out. The win against Fresno State on Saturday would be absolutely huge. And then we obviously can't drop a bye win against UNLV. We're supposed to smash them. Can't use, can't lose the Fremont Cannon twice in a row. That would be really, really disappointing. I mean, you even go back to last year. We had a great year. We went to a great bowl game. We won a great bowl game. But a lot of the fan base was still really upset that we lost to UNLV and we couldn't beat the little brothers down south so 
while I will be very pleased with a Fresno State win and a UNLV loss because that will get us to a really good bowl game, I do think that it will be kind of a disappointment losing to UNLV. And I think if we don't win out these past two games, it's going to be pretty disappointing just because San Diego State's a better version of Fresno State, in my mind. I mean, you saw what they did last week. San Diego State uh, took care of business against Fresno State, locked down Jorge Reña, locked down that offense. And, I mean, I just don't think they're too impressive, I would say, against Fresno State. I mean, Fresno State is not the same team they were last year. So if we're able to take care of business and do what we did against San Diego State, I think we should take care of business against Fresno State. And that will put us at eight wins if we beat Fresno State and UNLV. A good bowl game and an impressive year. I mean, especially because what we were talking about, especially after that Hawaii loss, just how we thought the year was going to go. And now... We're looking. It's looking up, and it's looking like it's going to be a good year. We'll just see how these last two games go. That full preview, full breakdown of that Fresno State game come Friday, so stay tuned for that. Let's move on to some volleyball. Their season is wrapping up. They have two more games left. They lost both of their games last week. They're now 17-11, and 11, which is still impressive, but that 7-9 and nine in conference play is not so impressive at all. Still fifth in the Mountain West. We were, I think, fifth before this weekend. We stayed in fifth with those two losses, so we could have dropped, but definitely good that we're staying in fifth. Dropped a game to the Little Brothers down south, so they got lucky. They beat the Brig Brothers, but should have got that one. And then we lost against New Mexico, who is, I think, the bottom third of the Mountain West. So volleyball has some has some figuring out to do, that is for sure. Against UNLV, that was on Thursday. The scores were 24-26, to 26-24, and then 21-25. The Pack won that second set. Cassie McGill led the offense with 11 kills while only committing two errors. That's pretty good to see. On 20 attempts for a .45 hitting percentage, McGill also posted five blocks with four assists, one solo. Sydney Peterson also helped out on both sides of the ball, recording six kills with zero errors on 13 attempts with a team-high 0.462 hitting percentage while also tallying four block assists. Not the best match that we've obviously seen volleyball play, only winning one set, but we were looking for them to bounce back against that Saturday game against New Mexico. Again, couldn't do it. They actually got swept in three sets to zero, 25 to 19, 25 to 17. And that third set being a little bit closer with 25 to 21. It's not the the matches you want to see volleyball, especially down in the nitty-gritty. Now, the last four games of the conference schedule, you have to win them all, really, when you're in fifth place, and dropping two very important ones, especially to New Mexico, who we should have beat, who should have killed, then we got swept by them. Killy Robbins posted a team-high eight kills. Cameron Rocha recorded seven, and Kayla Afoa had six. Ryan Blackwood had the lone ace of the match for the pack, while Dalen Burns led with 18 assists. No surprise there. On the defensive side of the ball, Brianna Souza had a team-high three-block assist with Kayla Spavak having 11 digs. You would usually see Sydney Peterson's name in the block column, but she only played in two sets and did not record a single stat. Something to look forward to. Maybe she's injured or just having an off game, but you would obviously like her to contribute a little bit more in the game. Maybe, I mean, obviously Lee Nelson had his reasons for holding her out. But that was a big blow to Nevada, losing those three sets to New Mexico. We have just two games left. Second place, Wyoming, on Thursday, which is a whiteout. Be there at VSG. Game starts at 6. 
And then last game of the conference season, last game of the season overall, we have nationally ranked number 12 Colorado State who sits in first place and has yet to lose a conference game. No matter how these last two games go, we are 99.99% sure that we will not be playing in the postseason, which was something that we were actually talking about being a serious opportunity earlier in the season with how our non-conference schedule went and then how we were doing. Even with the start of the conference, we were looking that we could have maybe made a postseason conference tournament. But all in all, that will not be happening. Looking like we're going to sit fifth or sixth, maybe fourth place at the end of the season. Depending on how that, I mean, looking at how that non-conference schedule went is this season a a disappointment to you all in all I don't think it's a disappointment I think you know even like talking about postseason play at any point in the season I think that um, especially for our volleyball team that wasn't projected to do that well this year after the season they had last year I don't think it's a disappointment at all I think you know we will end with a winning record um, in total uh, conference something you'd like to see go up a little bit as well and then losing kind of against UNLV and then New Mexico you know two teams that UNLV's all right. New Mexico, not so good. Two games we probably should have won. And then you play tough competition. I mean, second place Wyoming and then first place Colorado State in the Mountain West. But for me, it wasn't really a disappointment. I think that the ladies definitely performed above expectations this Mm -hmm. year. So disappointment's a little harsh to use, but maybe from kind of the our peak to now might be a little bit of dif- a disappointment from like the middle of Mountain West play t- kind of to this uh, end part. It's kind of disappointing to see mm-hmm. how they finished, but all in all, I think the season wasn't a disappointment. I think that five-game skid in the middle of the Mountain yeah. West Conference really, really hurt this team. Losing five in a row is just something you can't really do, especially if you want to be top tier in the Mountain West. At volleyball, you can't just lose five in a row, especially to your conference opponents. All in all, I don't think it was a disappointment. Uh, The non-conference, I mean, you can't look at that non-conference schedule and say it was a disappointment. But, I mean, like you said, we we had such high expectations after that non-conference, saying, like, you know what, this could be a really, really special year that volleyball hasn't had in a long time. And then now I think not so much a disappointment, just looking at what we could have had and building up our expectations. And now this happened. But fifth place is a really good place to grow especially with our young team. Hopefully Sydney Peterson's not injured and she can come back in. I mean, true freshman, she can lead this team next year. And we have a lot of young pieces that come back. So we'll be able to build on this fifth place finish. We still have two games left, though. We'll be able to recap that game on Friday. That happens on Thursday and then preview that last game, recap it next week. And we'll be able to see how this season ends. But moving on, we got some men's basketball to talk about. A lot of games have taken place since we last covered them. We beat uh, UT Arlington on Tuesday, 80-73, to 73. and then we played USC on Saturday. We lost 76-66. to 66. We are now 2-2 two and two on the season, but USC is not a bad team, not a bad team by any means. I mean, they were picked to finish fifth in the Pac-12 while receiving one first-place vote, which is kind of interesting. It was a hard, hard-fought game, but the Pac trailed almost the entire game. We would get it within like five or four multiple times in that game, and then they pulled away. It was kind of disappointing to see because you kind of felt the momentum switch in Lawler. You felt the crowd get behind him, and then, yeah, USC would just keep pulling it away, and then we'd come back, and then they'd pull away again. It was very, very disappointing. But Jazz Johnson gets the MVP on the night. He dropped 26 points, four rebounds, one assist, one steal. One stat to watch is that he shot 14 three-pointers in this game. Yeah, Alfred says he wants him shooting 10 14, in my mind, I mean, while he is a prolific shooter, it seems like even against, I mean, was it Utah or UT Arlington, it seems like he's forcing just a little bit too much. 
I get that he has to be our main scorer, especially if when Jay Lynn shoots three for 19. He has to be a prolific scorer. And he has to shoot a lot, but it seems like he was forcing it just a little bit. I think the 10 threes is, is reasonable. 14 just was like, whoa, he is he's shooting every chance he gets. So, But, I mean, yeah, he, he dropped 26 points. He led the entire game in, in – um, in points, so it was impressive, but yeah, it was it was a lot of shots up by Jazz Johnson. Lindsey Drew had another amazing night: twelve points, six rebounds, five assists, doing a little bit of everything. But one thing that I've noticed is he's consistently being our rebounding leader. Our point god, Lindsey Drew, is consistently leading the team in rebounds, and I'm wondering if that's going to hurt us down the road. Do you see that being a problem, or am I just am I just reaching at straws here? I see it. I mean, Lindsey has a great basketball IQ. I think he knows where a lot of shots are going to miss. It's his motor too. Yeah. And then that, yeah, it plays a huge attribute right. to his motor. Yeah. Um, but like you said, I mean, Lindsey Drew has six rebounds. Jalen Harris has five rebounds. Right. Um, you see Jazz Johnson coming down with four. Jazz Johnson, of I all know. people. Yeah. Shortest guy on down the with court. Four rebounds. Yep. And then John Carlos, six, Roby, six. So for me, it's something to keep an eye on. I don't think we can't get too kind of over ourselves right now. Right. It's um, early. You know, we do have a young front court besides John Carlos, you know, mm-hmm. Robbie Robertson, KJ Himes, a very young front court, mm-hmm. Zane Meeks as well. Yep. And they're going to take time to grow and kind of learn those positioning and work on their box outs. For right now, I don't see it as a problem, but if this trend continues, I think down the line it's really going to hurt us. If our guards can't get out on the fast break, they have to come back and rebound and help mm-hmm. out our forwards in front court. I could see that being a real big problem, not getting out in transition like we would like to. But for now, I think it should be all right. But just down the line, if this keeps happening, I can see it being a big problem. One thing that I think is going to help us too is Zane Meeks is just getting better. I mean, we saw it against USC playing top talent, arguably one of no, it is going to be the hardest non-conference game that we played and uh, and that we will play, and we only lost by 10, and Zane Meeks looked very solid. He looked like he was the energy leader on the night. Like you said, the, your tweet, he was, I mean, he was running to jazz when he hit those two four-point plays. I mean, he was just all over the, the court, and he, and he rebounded the ball very well. He was guarding, um, what's his name, Rakucevic mostly the entire game. One thing that I saw that we'll talk about later is he, during a uh, free throw, he turned and he was like, I want him right here, Rakocevic. He wanted the highest scoring player in the game. He wanted USC's best player, which is kind of interesting to look at. So I don't think it's going to be a problem necessarily as Zane Meeks gets better, but what will be a problem and what we saw on Saturday is scoring in the paint. Points in the paint absolutely killed us. USC had 42. We had just 10. We had absolutely no answer for Rakocevic as he had a double-double, 24 points, 11 rebounds. Honestly, it looked like he could have had 41 points if he truly wanted to. I mean, those putbacks, no one was stopping him. Down low, no one could stop him until Zane got on him. So points in the paint is something that we're going to have to watch for because we took about how many threes did we take in this game? It was it was ridiculous. And if we keep taking that many threes, while it could pay off in the long run, I think we need to get more production down low. Do you have how many threes we took in that yeah, game? Yeah, we got... Uh, we went 11 for 36. That's good for 30% on the night in total. This is what Coach Alfred had to say about those 36 threes. I'll take 11 for 36 every game. That, that's, um, you know, where we got other than, I, I haven't looked at the film, but I can tell you of those 36 threes, there were probably six or seven of the threes that were bad shots. And of the 61 total shots, there was another six or seven bad twos. So, but we want to shoot threes, and we made 11. You know, we make 11, they make five. Um, the, we make two more free throws. 
the difference was the pain. You know, we, we just, they got easier, they got tip-ins, they got layups, and we didn't get those things. And I think that was the difference. But there were some bad shots in those threes, but if we get 36 up and, you know, I, I, our bad shooting wasn't so much the three balls, it was our highly contested twos and not finishing. And while Coach Alford doesn't have a problem with shooting 11 for 36 from three, I personally do because it, it shows that we're one-dimensional. You know what I mean? And, and teams can really key on that. I just think we need to find a way to score down low. Rebounding wasn't as bad as I thought it would be, though. We hung with them in the rebounding category. We had 37 rebounds compared to those four, their 42. It's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, something, like I said, that I saw was Zane switching on to Rakocevic. That was very impressive for a true freshman to come in here and say, I want their, their best player. And he, he shut him down when he was on them. So it was really good to see there. The story for me was the second half shooting. 23% in the second half we shot. That was truly abysmal, especially when we're trying to fight back in the game. We're down by five. You can't shoot 23%. That's definitely sealing the casket on that game compared to the 41% in the first half. What is something that stood out to you about this game? Do you think it was a impressive game, a disappointing game? All, all in all, how do you think this game went against USC? I mean... I don't think it was impressive nor disappointing. I thought we kind of played right about where I thought we were going to play. Like you said, USC is is not a bad team. Picked fifth to finish in uh, mm-hmm. a good Pac-12 conference this year. Yeah. So it's not really a disappointing game. A stat I really like that we kind of harped on a couple weeks ago was free throw shooting. We shot 88% from the line. That's mm-hmm. something that I personally had a problem with. We were shooting in the, kind of the low 70s. Love to see that number up. And then Jazz Johnson coming off the bench, playing more minutes than Nizray, who started the game. Nizray only yep. played 14 of those minutes. Jazz, big with 32. Obviously, he was pretty hot that game. Kind of credited Steve Alford to kind of keep him in and make him play longer. But besides the lashing we took on the interior, I don't think this was a terrible game. That was kind of the only thing I didn't like was, you know, Rakovich has six offensive rebounds. Yep. He had six offensive rebounds and only five defensive rebounds. Yeah. And then when one guy is pulling down that many offensive rebounds, there's a problem with this team. They had 11 offensive rebounds as a team total mm-hmm. USC did. So all in all, not disappointing, not great. Um, definitely a game that we can take from and learn from. But I agree with you. I think that our three-point numbers are a little high. I mean, you do have Jalen kind of struggling in this game, like you said. Yep. Three for 19, uh, one from eight from three. So something that we can expect he's not going to do probably many more times this season. Mm-hmm. But it's, yeah, not disappointing, not great for me. Just kind of middle of the road. I'm not too bugged by this USC right. game. That's an interesting point about the free throw percentage because I I do like how we improved. You look at that UT Arlington game, our free throw percentage was at 53%. We went 16 for 30 at the line. That is giving away 15 free points that we should have easily had. And yeah, and I don't think it was disappointing either because Jalen Harris, I mean, if he shoots 35% from the field, we win this game, which is kind of crazy to think about that our best scorer, our most prolific scorer, went three for 19, and if he was just, you know, a shadow of what he is or what he can do, we win this game. And yeah, no, I'm not disappointed by this game at all. With this homestand ending, we play Davidson tomorrow. We are ending this homestand two and two. Are you disappointed to see how this uh, homestand has started and how the season has started out? So for me personally, we've played four games. We are two and two. Mm -hmm. We played Utah, which was, you know, turns out they're looking pretty good. We lost Utah. We squeak out a win over Loyola Marymount and then squeak out a win over UT Arlington. Both of those games closer than I would have liked. Mm -hmm. For me, it's not disappointing. It's kind of scary. 
but not disappointing. I mean, we'll take wins where we can get them, but those games being a lot closer than I think we both kind of anticipated to start the season. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how you know this team bounces back. It is early. It is a young team. Uh, we have to take that all into consideration. So not disappointed. I'd like to see those games that you know we should win. We win by a little bit greater of a margin, but all in all, you know, not super disappointing. Ending at two and two, and then going on the road to face a very good Davidson team, which we'll talk about in just a second. Yeah, I'm not upset by how this season started. I'm not upset by this homestand. And this is why, because we won the games that we were supposed to win, and we kept it really close with two very good Pac-12 teams. Utah obviously not being as good as as USC, but we were just a couple breaks from beating both teams. And for this team in this this situation, this rebuilding era, to keep those games close and to win the games we we're supposed to win is very impressive in my mind. So I'm not disappointed at all. I'm 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 not even that that scared. I think that we're on the right track. I think this road stand's gonna actually help the team more than hurt it, kind of get these guys um, together. That's something that Alfred talked about in his post game on Saturday is he's excited for this this road stand to kind of get the the guys together and build this this group, you know, get some uh, camaraderie together. And yeah, and then we're taking the road tomorrow, Davidson. Davidson's picked to finish second in the A-10 preseason polls against powerhouse VCU, who has been looking very good to start the season. Started off the season 0-2 and after a tough loss to Auburn by 10 and Charlotte by 13, but then came back to route UNCW at home. UNCW made a, made a run to the March Madness a couple years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Williamton? Didn't they make it yeah, to like Charlotte Williamson? Yeah, something like that. Did they? Um, I, have no, I, I, have I think no they idea. made it to Elite Eight like a couple years ago. Anyways, yeah, but they did what they were supposed to do. Um, you would like to see them beat that Charlotte team though. That was kind of interesting. But then they routed UNCW at home last season. The Wildcats went twenty-three and eight, losing the first round of the NIT to Limpscomb. On offense, this team shoots threes a lot of threes in their first three games. Almost half their shots every game has been from the beyond the arc. So we really need to limit that three-point shooting. We really need to extend out on the perimeter, not let them get comfortable. They returned nine of their top ten scores from a year ago, led by John Axel Gundmundson. John Axel Gundamson. Yeah, okay, yeah, I, I said that right. John Axel Gundamson and Kellen Grandy. The backcourt duo averaged 34 points, 11.8 rebounds, and 6.7 assists. The team only averaged 70 points of the year, so pretty much half of their production is coming from those two guys that are coming back. Strength of this team is depth at the guard position. Carter Collins plays big minutes off the bench as their six-man, 25-plus minutes in both games he's played in this season. Sharpshooter Luke Frampton will be their best shoot three-point shooter last year. He only took 32 shots from inside the arc and is 52% from beyond the arc this season. As for their front court, though, they are pretty inexperienced, just like us. Sophomore Luka Brechevich is the returning big man who had a 21-point outing in their last game against UNCW. The rest of the forwards are very young as well, so maybe they'll be able to match up pretty well against us. Our guards are experienced just like them. Front court inexperienced just like us as well. This is a potential NCAA tournament team, that is for sure. They might pull out a at-large bid if they cannot win the A-10, but they seriously might win the A-10. VCU is a good team, but this Davidson team is no joke as well. This is a really good test, especially as our first road game. 
could be a huge boost to our resume come late February. How do you think this game's going to pull out? I mean, they're a really good team. This could be a very hard test for our team, especially as our first road game. It could be ugly. It could be pretty for us if we squeak out this win. How do you think it's going to go? Like you said, this is a this is a good Davidson team. You know, yeah. looking looking up their team, doing this research, going up and down their backcourt is something that we will definitely need to stop. Gundamson and Grandy, I mean, in the first the game against Charlotte, let's just say Gundamson didn't play and Carter Collins, their big unit off the bench, did not play. Mm. Uh for some reason, don't know why, but that, that could have been the loss, the loss yeah. to Charlotte. And then in that route of UNCW, yeah. I mean it wasn't even like a game, I guess, for most of the time. Everyone putting up big points. So this is a team that can shoot the ball off the bench. You know, they have shooters. Their guard depth, like we said, is absolutely amazing. And then the front court, they're weak like we are. Young and kind of inexperienced. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be a great matchup. On paper, this looks really good for our team. It's going to be a tough game, though. Davidson has that home advantage. Uh, they do play very well at home. They have a great fan base there. Davidson, you know, they don't have a football team. They don't have right. a lot of other big sports. You know, this is their sport. It's basketball. So it's going to be a really good test for this pack. And like you said, something that could really boost our, our resume uh, come late February. And I heard a rumor that Steph Curry is going to be in attendance. Oh. Just kidding. Totally made that up. But you never know. <laughs> he definitely could be. You know, he's injured yeah. right now, so he might be taking a trip home and seeing. I can see it uh, happen. Right? So that, that might be interesting, something to watch for, you know. If it happens, that would be crazy that I called it without knowing anything <laughs> that was, about it. That would be the tease of the year right, right now. Exactly. But all in all, like a really big opportunity for our, our yeah. uh, basketball team for sure. I mean, getting this resume builder early on the road, and I'm excited to see what's going to happen. I don't see us winning, though. I have us losing by just around five points. I'll have us going 81-76. Um, but, I mean, I could be pleasantly surprised. I don't see us not winning. Like, I don't I don't see a scenario where we don't win. I think, I think we could easily win. But I don't see us winning just because of how talented this, team, this Davidson team is. And us being their first road game, kind of getting those jitters out of the way, I could see us losing. But full breakdown of that Davidson game come Friday, and we'll be able to preview that Fordham game that also they also play on Friday. That's the Paradise Jam in the U.S. Virgin Islands. So they're taking a little vacay to the Virgin Islands, playing Fordham on Friday, and then they'll be playing Saturday and then Monday as well. So we'll be able to kind of preview and then recap that, those games as well. But moving on, we have some impressive basketball that has been p- being played by this women's team right now. They are 3-0 and after that game on Saturday where they traveled to Salem, Oregon to take on Utah Valley. We won 60-57, just barely squeaking out that win. But we do get the win. That is all important. We're moving to 3-0, and first time since 2010. We have started three and zero. Damn. Do I say NCA tourney bound? <laughs> we gotta we gotta pump the brakes on this one because volleyball we did this. <laughs> All right. So we'll pump the brakes on this, but they are they are playing very well. All right, now. you're right, you're right. I'm gonna pump the brakes just a little bit on that <laughs> NCA tourney berth, but we are playing very very well right now. The pack started slow. I mean, we only had five points in that first quarter. They were, I would think, they were leading fifteen to five. We were only shooting thirteen percent from the field. 0 for 6 from 3 in that first quarter. We just couldn't get anything to fall. It looked like there was a cap on the rim for us. But before the close of the half, the ladies were able to pull it within 4, 27 to 23. Essence Booker, surprise, surprise, led the pack with 12 points at the half. Whatever Coach Levin said at half must have worked because in the third quarter, 
they were unstoppable. I mean, they were hitting everything. They dropped 25 points in the third quarter, which was the second most points they've scored in a quarter this year. They were shooting 60% from the field. They went on a 13-0 run at one point in the third. They were able to pull ahead and stay ahead to win the game 60-57. to Some top performances from that game came from Essence Booker, who has tallied 16 points, 5 rebounds, and 4 assists. She has really solidified herself as the leader. I mean, she yeah. we knew that she was going to probably lead the team in points and kind of, you know, be the leader for this team, and but as a sophomore, she is absolutely just coming to her own. She is going to be a bright bright star for many years to come for this women's basketball team. Another standout performance though, Dom Phillips, who had a great year last year. She scored 13 points on 7 and 10 shooting, 4 rebounds three of which came from the offensive glass. Huge productivity from Dom. And then Amani Lacey, who also had another big game, 10 points, but she had a game high, six rebounds, also had two assists, one block, one steal, kind of doing a little bit of everything. As for team totals, the two teams were fairly even with the pack getting slight edges in rebounds, points off turnovers, and bench points. One of the biggest things to look at was defense. Utah Valley shot 46% from the field, and 43% from three. Our defense has been pretty good lately, but, I mean, looking at the, that shooting percentage, we really need to pick that up. We're good at forcing turnovers, but we only forced 13 in that game, and we only had five steals compared to the, what was that, 20 steals we saw in the first game. Yeah. So our defense is usually locked down and really, you know, forcing those turnovers and making the other team sweat was something we didn't really see on Saturday, which was kind of interesting. Who impressed you the most? What impressed you the most? How did you see this game on Saturday against Utah Valley? I mean, they played well. I mean, yeah. coming out losing or losing the first half, mm-hmm. you know, being down by four at the at the break was something kind of big and something that we really haven't seen from these ladies before. Being down at on the road, you know, it's a good test for them, uh, especially early. And then to come out in that third quarter and just shoot the lights out of the gym, go on the thirteen zero run was just something that really gave me confidence as you know a fan of you know, Wolfpack women's basketball, that they can come out and, uh, you know, take over and especially on the road, you know, take Mm -hmm. that lead and hold it for the rest of the game. Kind of an unsung hero that we don't talk often about. Alyssa Jimenez, she starts for this team. Freshman. uh, Freshman, true freshman, Mm -hmm. plays 29 minutes. Her offensive numbers usually aren't the best, but she's not on the court for offense. She's usually that defensive presence, Mm -hmm. led the team with two steals in this game and I'm pretty sure is leading the team in steals in total for the season. Her essence, for sure, yeah. Yeah, so uh, something, someone that really doesn't really get all of the recognition mm-hmm. that she should, being kind of that defensive stopper and being that defensive player that uh, we kind of need on this team is huge for her. But yeah, she kind of really stood out to me. Obviously, the defense as a team didn't really play that well, but we've been kind of spoiled for these first yeah. couple games, uh, how well they've been playing defense. I was kind of expecting kind of a lack or a drop-off at some point during the season, but they're looking really good right now. I mean, coming back, like I said, is something that you can kind of hang your hat on, especially on the road against any team you play. Yeah, and I saw a tweet or a quick clip of Alyssa hitting a four-point play, which really boosted the entire team and gave a point boost. And while she didn't have the best offensive night, that's something that you like to see. I think she was a prolific three-point shooter in high school, and now we're going to be able to see that as well as she kind of develops into her own. But, I mean, it was their first true road game. It was their first chance to kind of taste the road a little bit. And while it wasn't the best game they played, we still squeaked out a win, which is what you have to do. So I was impressed with the win. I was impressed at how they fought coming from that first quarter and then, 
coming back and, you know, taking control of the game in that third quarter and not letting it go. And they, they did what they were supposed to do. They got the dub. So impressive game from Wolfpack basketball, the women's team against Utah Valley on Saturday. But we look ahead. They have another week break until next Saturday. So we'll be able to preview that as well on Friday. But they play Portland State on Saturday, November 23rd, tip off at 12 p.m. Like I said, so full breakdown come Friday. It is away at Portland State. So another true road test. But we will be able to preview that on Friday, like I said. Now we're wrapping up the episode, but we can't forget about what is starting to kind of take place a little bit. Some, some baseball's kind of warming up. Bats are starting to get, you know, fired up. Gloves are starting to pop. And uh, we got some baseball action. This past weekend, the baseball team competed in their annual Wolf versus Pack World Series. For the listeners that don't know, the Wolf versus Pack World Series is a three-day tournament where the players are divided into two teams to play a best-of-three series. The two teams were coached by two assistant coaches on staff plus alumni, which is kind of cool to see bringing them back and you know giving them a chance to connect with the new team. For Coach Bruce, it provides a good gauge to see where the team is at before winter conditioning starts and, you know, just to see, just to get some competition under the belt. You know, see live pitches. See, you know, just get those bats popping and see how they play. Although most scores for these games aren't posted through Twitter, we were able to figure out, obviously, uh, the first game was taken by the gray team. However, in the second game, the blue team won it with a walk-off to force a game three on Sunday in which the gray team won 8-4. to four. Some more baseball news. January 16th, baseball holds their 36th annual Bobby Dolan Baseball Dinner with a special guest. The special guest this year is baseball great Nomar Garcia-Para, who played for the Red Sox, Dodgers, and A's. He also played for the baseball great, the Chicago Cubs, probably the best team in all of Major League Baseball. And while he is amazing at baseball and probably one of the best baseball players to step on the field, I think the biggest headline is he he's married to Mia Hamm. I think that is the biggest headline because she is an absolute stud, one of the best women's soccer players to ever step on a pitch. And uh, that's, I mean, their offspring is going to be something special. That is, <laughs> that is for sure. They are going to be gods at whatever sport yeah, they play Yeah, what sport at. do they pick, though? I know. Are they going to pick soccer? Are they pick baseball? That is, that, is the, that is the one that I don't know, and they're going to have to figure out. But either sport that they play, they're going to be gods at. That is for sure. But baseball starting to pick up. How are you feeling about that? I know you're the baseball guy here, so how are you feeling about baseball starting to pick up before this uh, official start in February? I mean, it's awesome. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get out to any of the games this weekend. Mm-hmm. They played a game each day, Friday, Saturday and then that Sunday game but it's looking good I mean to you know have a World Series that's kind of back and forth Mm -hmm. Uh, they're playing in tight games shows kind of you know this team is ready to play they're ready to face live competition they had a couple scrimmages in October which we didn't talk about but we will touch on a little bit later when we start doing our baseball preview Mm -hmm. as the season gets a little bit closer but right now it really makes me excited seeing that activity on you know Nevada baseball's Twitter kind of all over their social media and then over Nevada social media as well it's kind of something that I love to see and getting really excited for. And then just another great speaker this year at yeah. the baseball dinner. They've, you know, the past three years, they've had some big speakers whose names are obviously escaping me right now. <laughs> um, but Nomar Garcia Parra, one of the best shortstops to ever play the game, probably one of, you know, the best fielders mm-hmm. um, in the game that we've seen in a long, long time. 
Uh, so really cool to have him come speak at the Bobby Dolan baseball dinner. So if you haven't got tickets to that, I would highly suggest it. You're going to hear a great man speak about a game that is truly amazing. So it's something that gets me really excited uh, to start talking about baseball again. And I can't wait for late February, early March to start rolling around uh, when the season gets closer. But, you know, it's it's something that's really uh, getting me excited right now. Yeah, February 14th is our first official start of the season, our first official game against University of Portland in Portland, Oregon. We'll be able to preview that, obviously, as the season starts. We want to get Coach TJ Bruce on the episode to talk about the start of the season. But if you are, I mean, put yourself in Coach Bruce's shoes just for a second. What are you looking for in these first couple of scrimmages? I mean, obviously, it's not, can't see too much for all, from all the players, but, I mean, are you looking for key players? Are you looking for how the overall team plays? What are you looking for if you're Coach Bruce? For Coach Bruce right now, it's he's just trying to get a gauge of where this team's at right now. Um, big thing that college coaches kind of harp on is off-season conditioning. You know, when that season ends in those late summer days, you know, if you're fortunate enough to play that long, mm-hmm. um, what are you guys doing from now up until the fall uh, when you really start to get back in the pens, back in the cage? Mm-hmm. It's something that he's looking out for, you know, have these players, you know, shown growth or have some players, you know, regress a little bit, then we need to get them back up to uh, tip-top shape like they were last season. Something he looks out for. And then uh, pitcher arms is another thing. Um, in the fall, you want to be really careful not to, you know, throw pitchers so much. Another thing he's looking for, you know, for pitchers especially, have you added new pitches this offseason? I know a lot of the guys played in the Cape Cod League. Jay-Z was one of them that over the summer we talked about played in the Cape Cod League. Mm-hmm. You had Owen Schartz also playing in the Cape Cod League. So for them, it's what did they learn there and how what else are they going to bring to the team this year? Not so much as, you know, kind of key players, although we, you know, can kind of point out a few. You have, you know, Jay-Z, you have Owen, you have Dylan Schrum playing first base this year, senior. It's going to be a big key for this team. But for Coach Bruce right now, it's just kind of feeling out the team and seeing where they are, where they're at mentally, physically, kind of getting them geared up for, you know, the kind of this winter conditioning that's going to be a grind coming up for them. Definitely getting excited for the start of the season. What should be a pretty successful season, if, if it's anything like last season and what we can build on from last season, TJ Bruce at the helm again, really building his culture and building his team. Uh, as we wrap up the episode, last but very not least, Pack Player of the Week. I know you guys think we forgot yesterday. We didn't forget. We didn't forget. But just basically, basketball didn't have the best of weeks. I mean, we could have probably put Jazz Johnson up there. Football obviously had a bye, and then volleyball got absolutely wrecked this weekend. So it's like, who are we really going to put up? We were talking about it, and we just wanted to give it to Essence Booker. I mean, she absolutely showed out in her two games. So... We claim Essence Booker as this week's Pack Player of the Week. While we didn't put it out on a poll, we are going to give it to Essence because you you might have thought we forgot, but we did not forget. I swear we just you know thought there wasn't a good enough talent. So we yeah. put Essence Booker as the winner because she probably would have won handedly anyways. Probably. So Pack Player of the Week, congratulations to Essence Booker for winning this week. Any last thoughts before we wrap up the episode? Not really. I mean, you know, kind of a slow week for Pack Sports this week. You know, we're going to break down a lot of things come Friday and preview a lot of things come Friday. Basketball, really looking forward to see what, you know, the boys do against Davidson tomorrow night. That's one I think we'll both be watching very, very closely. But other than that, you know, we're just waiting for Friday, waiting for the weekend. We got some big games coming up this weekend. Huge games coming up this weekend. We'll be able to preview all of them Friday. And then obviously that huge game tomorrow against Davidson. Tune in, guys. While it's not at home, it's at Davidson, our first road test. Watch online and see how this basketball team does. 
all in all, like you said, not the best week for Pack Sports, but luckily never stops on Wolfpack Nation. So they'll be able to bounce back this week. We'll be able to get some wins, and then we'll be able to hopefully have some better people for Pack Player of the Week come Sunday. Thank you guys so much for giving us your time, and like always, go Pack.